Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Mitchell and Jessica Kanata. If you're looking for ways to bring rigor and engagement to your middle school ELA classroom without sacrificing your nights and weekends, then this podcast is for you. Our goal is to provide you with your weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can actually enjoy teaching again. We'll help you bring the fun and creativity to your ELA lessons so that your students master the standards and you can leave school when the bell rings. Get ready to be that teacher you've always wanted to be to do great work and thrive. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I just want to extend an invitation to one of our free live events that we're hosting this summer, all about the three pillars of our batch planning systems. It's a free workshop experience. It's a one hour live workshop. And then we're also hosting a pop-up Facebook group that has three bonus trainings, tons of community, just all of us really working together to assist you in your own batch planning. Because, you know, I stopped planning every single day, every week, even every month, a really long time ago in my teaching career. And I know that sounds crazy, but hear me out on this because the process of batch planning is a much more effective way to plan, right? You just devote either like a few hours or a few days to batch planning and then you're done for a really long time, right? Your current self is setting your future self up for success. And what's even better is when you're not doing it alone, right? Participating in this with a huge community of people who are all working toward the same thing is really powerful. So in our free workshop experience, we're going to walk you through the foundational principles of batch planning and support you along the way. So you'll walk away from our experience together, knowing how to have your whole first month, your whole first quarter, even the whole first half of your school year just done, planned, ready to go um, because we want you to actually be able to enjoy your summer, like really actually be able to unplug, you know, put your feet in the sand if you're going on vacation somewhere or you live near the beach or have your glass of Pinot at five and watch your kids play, not even thinking about school, really just doing whatever the heck it is that you want to do this summer, not even giving school a second thought. And I can't think of, quite frankly, a better feeling. That was one of my favorite things to do, setting my future self up for success, um, Um, at the beginning of summer so you can really freaking unplug. Um, So I'd love to invite you to join us. If you go to ebacademics.com forward slash podcast June 2022, you'll pick your date. We have a couple different dates to choose from. And then we also have our pop-up Facebook group. So after you pick your date, go ahead and request access to join our Facebook group on the thank you page. Um, And we'll be set to go. We're starting everything here very soon towards the end of the month. And we're looking forward to having you join us. All right. Without further ado, let's dive into today podcast episode. All right. We are diving into talking about nailing down your novel units for the school year. And before we get into this, like hear me out in terms of the fact that we are airing this in June, we know the school year is just ending. And we also stand behind and know the importance of planning at the beginning of summer. So you truly get to unplug, right? There's nothing worse than, I don't know about you having an open loop of something that like isn't completed that I just know is coming down the pipeline and it, it just is stresses me out. Yeah. It drives me nuts. hundred <laughs> percent. It can be the littlest thing too. And I'm like, I fixate on it. Yes. <laughs> like right now we just finished everything for my son's fundraiser for his preschool that I was in charge of with two other moms and preschool fundraiser. You think like no big deal. I thought I was signing up for a chili cook-off. Like, no, that is not what I signed up for. (laughs) And I'm almost finished closing all of the open loops with it, except I have to return tablecloths to like two of the moms. And I'm still 
thinking about that in my brain, it's still taking up space, you know? Um, so all of that to say it is important. And we truly believe in planning at the beginning of summer before you head off for the summer. So you really can create that white space for yourself. That's also why we do our batch planning live events at the end of June, um, which is June. Is it 27th and 28th? I believe it is. It is awesome. I'm glad I have that correct. (laughs) Make sure I show up on the right day. Um, And if you want to join us for that event, if you go to evacademics.com forward slash BPL summer 22, you can join us for that. We accept purchase orders hundred percent of the profits are going to Village Impact, which is an organization that helps build schools for um, girls in rural Kenya. So it's super cool organization. And then the other thing that we're doing that speaks into planning at the beginning of summer that I think is going to be really helpful for you is we are hosting a free workshop and bonus trainings and experience really around nailing down your narrative writing unit. So we believe in teaching narrative writing at the beginning of the school year for a multitude of reasons. Hopefully you've listened to some of our bonus podcast episodes that we've aired that really justify the reasoning behind that. And we're doing a workshop with a bunch of different dates to choose from. And then a pop-up Facebook group with bonus trainings. We're giving you free resources. We're teaching you how to use them. And essentially we're helping you plan for those first three to four weeks of school with narrative writing so that you teach that at the beginning of the year. So you really can, in essence, like batch plan at least one part of your curriculum with us this summer. And it'll be really fun. So for that, again, it's a free experience. Go to ebacademics.com forward slash narrative. And we would love to see you there. We're actually in the throes of it when this episode airs. So we, it's all happening right now. So make sure that you come and join us over there. Okay. Do you have anything else to add to that or well, dive into I think you can dive in because I love this topic. I know you do too. So it's gonna be a fun one. Totally. Okay. So nailing down your novel units for the school year. So you probably love doing novel units with your students. I know I did. I know Jessica, you did, especially like some of those really good ones just are so powerful and so special to teach. And it's cool because as a teacher, you get excited about their aha moments at a big reveal in the story or their groans when left with a cliffhanger or a student crying in class. I mean, have you had students cry in class at all when something has happened in a book? No, but they've definitely told me, gosh, why do you always pick these sad books? But no criers. Have you? Yes. I've had quite a few students cry over the years. And maybe it's just because of what we're reading in the upper grades. Yeah. Very Um, different than fifth grade. (laughs) And like I've cried, you know, reading certain parts of stories and and novels to my students. Yeah. You just made me think of one. No, you're right. Charlotte's Web. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's a tear. There you go. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's cool. You know, you love as they head out the door and you hear them talking about like turtle and Theo or scout and gem or pony boy, right. And Johnny or Augie and Viet, whatever the characters are. And you know that years from now, your students are going to come across a copy of chasing Link- chasing Lincoln's killer or the giver or refugee, right. They're going to see that book and they're going to be transported back in time to your classroom and their time with you, right. They may not remember you know, the text analysis activity that they did with you that they completed for the book, right? But they will remember just like anything, how that book made them feel, right? And I just love that. hundred percent. And just like, as we prepped for this podcast episode, it really caused me to reflect back on different novel units I did with my students. And I was just going to share like three brief memories I had from them. And of course I taught other books as well, but this is what came to mind. You all know, I love, love, love the Westing game. 
And I love doing that with my students. But one year in particular, there's a certain part of the book and if you teach it, you know, like when students start to figure out what all the clues in that book mean. And I had this one student in particular, Claire, and she all of a sudden in the middle of the class, literally just like jumped up and screamed, I've got it. I've got it. And I had all the clues in random order on her board. And I had told the kids, you know, you can go up to the board and move things around. And so she ran over there, the whole class followed her and they start piecing together the clues and they realize like, oh my gosh, these clues spell out the words to giving away a a big answer here. So if you have kids in the car, you know, close your ears. (laughs) Um, They were like, oh my gosh, it's the words to America, the beautiful. And they're just like so excited and jumping up and down. And I let them have that moment for a minute. And then I say, okay, but remember it's not what you have, but what you don't have that counts. And that's a particular line from the book. And then they're all like, oh my gosh, wait, we're not done solving it. And then they're so (laughs) excited to go back to the book. And it's just such a special memory I have with those students. And I hear from them years later saying, remember that time when we read the book and then this happened. Um, Another one that came to me was Tuck Everlasting. I taught that for a few years and this one always gets me. So, you know, in that book, Caitlin, like there's the magic water, right? And if you drink it, she's literally drinking water right now. It's making me (laughs) laugh. Um, If you drink this water, you could live forever. And I would read this with fifth graders. And there would be one day where I would bring in like sparkling water from Trader Joe's and I would pour them each a glass. And I would say, you know, this is the water from the well. And does anyone want to drink it? And it always got me that there were several kids who were like, uh, uh, well, wait, if I drink it, like, I'm really going to live forever. And like, they debate it and they talk about it. And, you know, we do a whole graphic organizer with it, but it just always made me be like, oh, like they're just so innocent still. And so sweet. And it opened up great discussions. Um, and then the last one, this is a fabulous book. If you haven't heard of it, I highly recommend if you teach, you know, fifth, sixth grade, it's a, even older. It's a wonderful book to read mockingbird by Catherine Erskine. And there's a real focus on empathy in this book. So the protagonist has Asperger's and a lot for a lot of my students, they didn't know what that was, but I had one year in particular where one student, her brother had Asperger's. And when we read that book, she was able to come into class, talk to us more about her brother. As a class, we worked on empathy and what we can, you know, do to friends of ours who might have Asperger's or any other, um, maybe there's a special needs situation that students just aren't aware of how to behave. And that book sparked so much discussion and it really like bonded the class together. And I know the mom in particular of this student came in and was just like, I'm so appreciative that you read this book and are showcasing, you know, other types of learning and other types of personality. And it was just a beautiful experience. And for that, I'm so grateful for those novel units. I know some people don't like teaching them, but it really does cement you as um, a community together. So I know you've had experiences like that as well with. Yeah, absolutely. And I won't go into any of them, but you know, night is something that rings a bell, like as one of the more touching ones that I've read with my students and impactful ones. Um, I taught the adventures of Huckleberry Finn, which I know is a controversial novel, um, that opened a lot of great discussions. And so that's what I love so much about novels and literature is that it's not just about novels and literature. It's about like the human experience, right? It's about life, um, and, and having discussions about that and, and learning about empathy and learning about different people and learning about different worldviews. You know, it's just, it's such a great way to expose our students to more than what they just know in their own little box, you know, in their own little bubble in which they live. And did you want to mention anything about why it's so great to nail down just one novel unit that we're going to talk about right now? I can. 
Okay. <laughs> Throw me a surprise. Throw you under the bus. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it's so great to nail down a novel unit because then you're prepared for your year, right? You're being really intentional about what activities you are including. It's that worst feeling when you're like, okay, what am I teaching? next. Oh yeah. It's time to do a novel unit. Great. I'm going to go on teachers by teachers. I'm going to find one. And then you start to realize, wait, these activities don't align with my intention or my purpose for teaching this novel. So it's so good to think ahead. And like I said, really be intentional because you're going to have a much more quality experience where yes, you help your students master the standards. Yes. You bond as a class, but like Caitlin said, you're exposing them to the larger world, right? Mm -hmm. So it's so powerful. Yeah. And it can be a daunting task, right? to do this on your own, which is exactly why we're recording this podcast for you guys to help you. And, you know, over the years, we have created a lot of our own novel units for our EB teachers, right? But also, I mean, I created a ton for my classroom. Um, over, did you also, I, I mean, I'm sure you did. I remember oh my gosh. vividly sitting down so and creating many. like eight or nine novel units for my students. Um, so, you know, we have like the house on Mango Street, the outsiders, Esperanza rising, but not buddy, et cetera, things like that. Um, and we also have another one coming out later this year for a long walk to water, which is something that a lot of our teachers have been suggesting that they really, really want. They've been hinting for a long time. <laughs> um, and so we've learned a lot about what it takes to effectively nail down your novel unit so that your students love the whole reading experience and they enjoy the novel. And so do you, quite frankly, and are still mastering those ELA standards, right? It, we got to find that balance with those two. And we're actually leading a nail down your novel unit workshop this week for our VIP attendees of batch planning live. So if you are one of those, you get excited because this is coming your way live together with us very soon. Um, and all of those teachers who are VIPs for batch planning live are going to come with a novel unit of their choice. And during the workshop, we're going to work with them to really map out their scope and sequence, plan their activities for that particular unit so that they walk away with a novel unit that they can use with their students this upcoming school year. And we have decided to record this podcast episode and share with you some of the highlights from that workshop so that you can can confidently create your own novel units as well. And to make it even easier for you, if you're an EB Teachers Club member starting on June 22nd, you can grab our Nail Down Your Novel Unit Guide, where we go into greater detail. We provide you with a scope and sequence template. And that's like, so you can plug and play directly into that, the into, through, and beyond activities that we, you know, the framework that we have that you can use with any novel unit. And the reason that all came about is that's a resource we wish we would have had, you know, when we were first creating novel units, because it can feel like you're just picking from all over the place and it's not meshing together. So it's something I really wish I would have had when I was in the classroom. So we decided we'll provide it to you. So you don't have to spend hours piecing together random activities to create your novel unit. So you can avoid all that trial and error and you can just jump right in and get well-balanced, engaging and rigorous resources. So what's included in that guide and whether or not you use that guide or not, that's what we're going to walk through. So you have an idea of what to include in your own novel units, but what's included is the essential question, a scope and sequence, vocabulary, pre-reading activities, during reading activities, post-reading activities. You can think of that as your into, through, beyond, and then quizzes and tests. So we have found that those are the essential pieces that you want to focus on when you're mapping out your novel unit. 
Perfect. And let's go into each one of those and mm-hmm. kind of explain them in detail. So the essential question is the first part. And before you get, begin planning, like all of your great activities, all of your projects, assessments, everything, right? you get to backwards plan. And that starts with determining what is the focus of your unit. And we find that the essential question provides you this focus really, really well. And it usually culminates that essential question into a response to literature or an essay after students read the story or the novel, what have you. And students' claims will answer that essential question. So the essential question is like your guiding light, like your reason for why you're doing what you're doing within your novel. And then at the end, students respond to it in an essay. So how do you develop an essential question, right? So I'm going to give you an effective framework that you can use. You're going to simply replace what I'm going to say, the bracketed sections with your novel's author and your novel's title plus your question. So there's a a note here that this should be a general text dependent question. So I'm going to say that again, a text dependent question that relates to bigger themes from the text. You want to avoid saying like, well, what do you think? Or how does this relate to your life? Because then it's not necessarily text dependent and creates, um, what's like ambiguity for students and how to answer the question. So this essential question will be that guiding question throughout your unit. Your students will search for textual evidence as they read. They will consider the unit's activities, you know, as they're working through them. How does this activity relate to answering the essential question? And then finally, they'll use the essential question and all of those notes, all of those discussions to ultimately write their final response to literature. So here's the frame, the framework that you're going to use to develop your essential question. So your essential question will be as such, based on your understanding of, and you would put the author's name, novel, and then whatever the title is, and then your question. So based on your understanding of, I don't know, give me one. Sure. I've got one. Based on your understanding of The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin, which character undergoes the most significant change? Perfect. So we have the author's name, we have the title, and we have the question. And then the last part that you always want to make sure that you include that's really important that I think people forget is you also want to have an extra sentence at the end of your question that says, use evidence from the text to support your reasoning. So students know I'm going back to the text to support my position and my response to this particular question. So the essential question is your guiding light. It is your backwards planning. Like you are start, do not do anything else before you create your essential question for your novel unit. Right. And that leads us to the second part of nailing down your novel unit, right? Once you have that essential question, then you can really start to build out your scope and sequence. And that's generally the roadmap of your unit. So it's going to include your pre-reading, your during reading, and your post-reading activities, any assessments you'll be giving during, after the unit, and then your students' reading schedule. So the scope and sequence is really, really helpful for knowing how long your unit will be. It's awful to spend, you know, three, four months. I've seen that happen on one novel with your students. It's too long. What are they really getting out of it at that point? So the scope and sequence helps keeps you and your students focus and lets you know where each activity is going to fall um, throughout the unit. So you want to take a look at your scope and sequence. And again, we provide one in the nail down your novel unit guide, and then you fill it out, right? You start mapping. Okay. What is that essential question? Now I should build an assessment based on that. And hmm, maybe I should build in some activities that help students really delve into that essential question. So it can be really, really helpful to start with your student's schedule first. When we create novel units, we aim for a 
about three weeks. And yes, of course, sometimes they go over a little bit. So I'll say even say three to four weeks. So figure out that schedule, build in their students' reading schedules as well, and then choose your activities. So when you decide on your activities that you want to include, remember to plan with the standards as your guide. Like we will always say that the standards are your North star. That's how you should pick every single activity so that you can ensure that your students are mastering the standards. So we always tell our teachers, you know, use your um, standards checklist, or you can use the common core um, standards app on your phone, whatever it is, whatever your state standards are, just have those out as you plan your novel unit. And there's always going to be some reading literature standards that are just present in all novel units, right? You're always going to have students searching for evidence, explaining their thinking, but you might want to consider how can you tie in some other standards? So maybe look for informational texts that you could um, incorporate in with the novel itself. Maybe it relates to the theme. So you can hit in on those standards that maybe you don't cover that often. Mm -hmm. Yep. Perfect. Um, the second thing is vocabulary. Okay. So you want to focus on vocabulary as an important aspect, an important part of your novel unit, because vocabulary knowledge, right, is vital for understanding a text, especially if we're reading things like Shakespeare or like a higher level, um, novel that's more challenging for our students at a, as a, at a higher lexile level. Um, and it also makes students stronger readers in general when we focus on vocabulary. So we recommend developing a vocabulary list early in your planning because you may want to incorporate vocabulary vocabulary activities into your pre-reading or your jeering reading activities. And you also may want to include vocab words as a part of your quizzes or your final test or something like that. So when selecting vocabulary words, you want to try to find at least a few words from each chapter. And alternatively, you can chunk chapters together. And that works well, you know, for texts with a lot of chapters or shorter chapters like the House on Mango Street and things like that. Um, and you'll create a vocabulary list with definitions using the dictionary or an existing list that you find online. And if you do use a list that you find online, you want to double check to make sure that it's accurate because some online ones have mistakes that we found over the years. Um, and on your vocabulary list, include the chapter where each word can be found. And if you want to be really specific, you can also include the page numbers too. And with this list, you want to consider how you want your students to digest the list of words, like these new vocabulary words. For example, if the novel is small and your class is generally a high level class, you could simply hand out the words before the novel begins and instruct students to read and study the words by a certain date. Okay. Simple, not super exciting, right? Um, it could also overwhelm your students. So you can also hand out lists by chapter if you want to, with students reviewing the words before each chapter, after, you know, before they read, you could do them as a class. You could put them on a board. You could have students create vocabulary cards if you wanted to. Um, you may want to include a specific study method, like having students create doodle notes for each word, which is drawing an image for each word along with the part of speech definition and an example sentence. Um, and it's just really important because students are going to come across vocabulary that they don't understand, right? And it's going to hinder their ability to understand the text. I'm thinking Poe, you know, if we're reading the Cask of Amontillado, there are a multitude of words that need to be defined for students before they can start reading that particular text. Um, so now that you have your list, you'll be able to include vocabulary activities in your pre-reading and or both your jeering reading plans. So let's chat about those, your pre-reading activities and your during reading activities. So your pre-reading activities, just like what it sounds like, it's how you start off your unit. And the goal is to accomplish at least some of the following. You want to motivate your students to actually want to read the text. You want to get your students to 
think about the novel's important topics, the issues, and the themes. You want to activate prior knowledge that will help students understand and connect with what they read. Give them background information that's going to help them understand the story setting, right? This is especially important. If your novel takes place in a completely different time period, they need to know about it and what was influencing the author at that time. And then finally, you want to prime students to feel empathy as they read. You want to expose them to information or insights that's going to help them more deeply understand the character's motives and actions. And as I'm like going through all of that, I can imagine some of you thinking like, oh, like that's a daunting task. I need to come up with pre-reading activities that do all that. Well, they don't have to be over the top. You know, you can pick one or two of those to start you out and it can be a a popcorn predictions activity that gets students excited, or it can be a five word wonder where you give them five words and have them predict what the story's about. It doesn't have to be so big. And EB teachers, remember you have access to so many done for you pre-reading activities. You can use their success script and find a bunch of these. So I just want to remind you, like, don't jump in all at once, like baby steps here. You can build onto these novel units. And the whole concept of rinse and repeat. Yes, of course. If you do one of those for one novel unit, you can do the same thing for another one. Like it's not the end of the world. And in fact, we we want you to. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So for during reading activities, this is like the trickier part of planning for sure. Um, And why is it trickier? You probably know, but you know, simply because your students will be reading during this part of the unit. So you want to be careful to create and place activities in such a way that they don't give away the plot to students before they read it. And at the same time, you also want to make sure that an activity depends on students' knowledge of a particular chapter that doesn't fall too early in your reading schedule. So it's like a really delicate dance of ensuring where you're putting activities and your reasoning behind the activities that you're doing. So as you plan for your during reading activities, we recommend that you have the novel with you like on hand so that you can flip through it as you plan, making sure that activities are placed in the right spots for your unit. Whereas with pre-reading activities, that often focuses on students' own knowledge, their own experiences. The jeering reading activities are also going to require knowledge of the story and evidence from the text. So they will need to have read. So that's something you want to keep in mind too. Are students reading outside of your classroom? Are you doing all of the reading in the classroom? Are you doing a mixture of both? Um, And so I'm going to give you two activities that we really consider must-haves for any novel unit. And that is an evidence tracker, and at least one discussion activity. And there are a variety of different discussion activities that you can do. So an evidence tracker, very simply, it's an organizer in which students write down the novel unit's essential question, which you're going to give them at the beginning of the novel unit, and their answer to this question, which is their claim, right? As they read, as they read, they're going to fill out the chart with their premises that support their claim. Then they're going to find evidence and justify their evidence as they're reading the text. So you can also write in a few places on your scope and sequence chart when your students should take out the evidence tracker and add to it since they will use it throughout their reading. Of course, you're going to have that student who's just doing that anyways. You know, we all have a Claire in our class is mm-hmm. the first person who comes to mind. Um, but we're also going to have students who are not going to do that. So we definitely want to make sure that you put that into your scope and sequence to remind them, hey, bring that back out. Um, let's fill that in with more evidence, more justification, et cetera. And, you know, why is the evidence tracker a must-have activity? And the reason being is that at At the end of the novel, when students write their responses to literature, when they write their essays, they will find that the information on this tracker does most of the work for them. 
Honestly, some of our EB teachers have shared with us that when they find themselves in a time crunch or they feel like students have already written enough essays lately, they just use these evidence trackers in place of an essay. So it really is following that structure. I will say one other thing for, you know, like the upper grades, seventh, eighth grade, if you're a high school teacher listening to this as well, you might not necessarily give your students an evidence tracker for the question that they're going to answer at the end of the, of the reading, right? You might give them an essential question that is similar, but different. Different so that you can give them like a completely off the cuff essay that they don't have the evidence all written out for them, um, that they really have to do like a timed essay in your class with a brand new prompt for the first time, uh, which is something that I worked up to when I taught seventh and eighth grade. Beginning of the year, definitely they had this. Towards the end of the year, they didn't get anything so that that last essay was very challenging for them, right? Because we want to push them. We want them to grow. We want them to stretch. All right. And then discussion activities. And discussion activities, you want to make sure that you include because this is when students really get to hone in on their speaking and listening skills. They're going to share ideas and their learnings with their classmates, whether that's in small groups, whether that's in, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for when you do a panel discussion, right? Or a Socratic seminar with your whole class, um, whatever it is, the type of discussion activity that you're doing, you definitely want to make sure that you include it at least once. I would say we did discussions honestly, at the end of every section of chapters or that we read, like at the end of each, you know, when I paste our reading plan, we always did discussions as a class. So it was integral to my novel units with my seventh and eighth graders and my high schoolers too. Absolutely. All right. So you've mapped out your pre-reading and your during reading activities, you get to your post-reading activities. Now, honestly, you already know what your post-reading activity is, right? It's that response to literature using that evidence tracker that Kate was just talking about. But you can have the opportunity here to put in some other activities that help you assess your students' knowledge of the novel and its comp- concepts. And then it gives them a chance to just wrap everything up neatly and have a really memorable like conclusion to that unit. So again, we always, always, always include a response to literature as a culminating part of our units. You can also do, you know, some kind of multiple choice test if you need to, but it's a great opportunity to have a little bit more fun with some projects. So it's just some ideas for you to get your wheels turning, but you might consider a one pager or making a music video, having students write a new chapter for the novel or write out chapter titles if the novel didn't have any, or even come up with alternatives for those chapter titles. So just some fun, creative ways to get students reflecting on the novel they just read. Yeah. And I, I use the making a music video project every year. And that was hands down one of my students' favorite projects that they ever did. So that's a really, really, really fun one. But and I, I always remember watch. you, I was going to say, I remember you talking about this one. I think you did it with Othello. We did. And we had a really, this amazing student, we both had Andres and yeah. he came up with like the coolest line using journeys. Don't stop believing. I think yes. for Othello. Yes. And yeah. it like always stuck with me and I'm like, gosh, I wish I could have been that clever as a middle schooler. <laughs> oh my gosh. Andres is the best. He was, He's he awesome. was good. Okay. So then I think we're coming into the home stretch here. Yep. So talking about quizzes and tests, right? So throughout your novel unit and at its end, you want to formally assess students' knowledge of its plot, the characters, concepts, et cetera, like all the things, right? So your discussions and your other activities will tell you a lot about how your students are learning, but we, and right. We all know that a student who is confused or missing reading assignments can remain like below our radar, right? Like we don't actually know how they're doing if we don't systematically check their understanding every once in a while. So before we dive into this section, a quick note on tests, the EB novel units do not always include a test. And this is because our quizzes often cover all of the topics that we'd like to address. And that final 
response to literature essay requires students to demonstrate a higher level understanding of the novel and its essential question, right? However, your school may require tests at the end of a unit, or you may feel that you need to assess a certain topic or a concept that your quizzes will not include. And if that's the case, certainly include a test at the end of your unit. One of the things that I will say about my tests that I did include that was very interesting um, was matching characters to quotes. Because, yes, I always did that too. Yes, because students really had to have a true understanding of the characters in order to decipher who was the speaker of this particular quote. Um, so it's not like, you know, you don't want to, if you're doing reading quizzes throughout, it's not that it's fruitless, but it seems like you could use your time differently as opposed to giving students the same exact questions on a test for what purpose to have them memorize things. You know what I mean? Like, which there's a time and place for, but if we really want them to demonstrate a higher level understanding of the novel, that's going to come from responses to literature. That's going to come from short answers and things like that. So reminder, whether you are writing a quiz or a test, make sure that you are first clear on your objectives. Like what are you trying to assess? Ask yourself that question and you make sure to create items that address these objectives, right? You don't want to just go online and find a test and print it out and give it to your students because it's just a test, right? You have to be, you get to be intentional with what you are doing. So similar, similarly, you're only going to grade on those objectives, right? So your students grade on their quizzes and their tests should show you how well they understand the objectives that you have set out to assess. Nothing more and nothing less. So you can consider a variety of question types. You could do surface level understanding with true false, with matching, with multiple choice, with fill in the blank. And then you also get to include those higher level understanding questions, those short responses, right? Those can be used for surface level, but depending on the question, if you want to go deep, right? They could be like mini responses to literature in just a paragraph format. Um, you could do a whole paragraph response. You could do a timed, right? A short in-class essay and things like that. So many good ideas there. I love it. So that was a lot of information, right? You may have to go back and listen to this podcast episode more than once. But the key takeaways are when you are trying to nail down your novel unit, you want to include the essential question, the scope and sequence, vocabulary, pre-reading, during reading, and post-reading activities. And then finally, quizzes and tests. Yeah. And like Jess said, if it seems daunting, go back and listen again. You probably did not catch everything and that's totally normal. And you would be probably like superpower if you're like, got it. I'm good to go right after <laughs> listening to it once. So I also want to remind you that we have you guys covered with our done for you novel units, as well as our nail down your novel unit guide. That's going to direct you to plug and play activities that will work with any novel. So if you're coming to our batch planning live event, make sure that you have that VIP ticket so you can join us for our live one hour workshop on this. Um, and the other thing that I want to invite you to do and remind you about is our narrative experience that's happening right now. Come join us. I kind of like ties in together, right? You could do like your first novel for the year and your first writing unit that you're mm -hmm. going to do for the year with us this summer. Um, so if you go to ebacademics.com forward slash narrative, it is a free workshop experience with bonus trainings and pop-up Facebook group giveaways, free resources, all kinds of fun stuff. So we would love to see you there. All right. We will see you guys next week on the podcast. Bye everybody. Bye everyone.